Hello and welcome. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning is what I usually start with. Well, hello. Anyway, I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel. This is Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. And we are in day 760, Isaiah 62. I'm not even going to bother redoing that opening because, you know, it's not that important. What's important is that we're here together to study the Word of God. And Isaiah 62 is before us. It's a wonderful chapter. We're in these closing chapters of Isaiah, which are just glorious. So let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we dig into his word together today. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your patience with us as we learn and grow and struggle and strive. You patiently work. You are in us by your spirit working to make us desire you and to make us love you and to and to bring us along in our sanctification and we're so thankful for that work because that's our hope our hope is not in our work but in your work in us and our responses to that work so father work your word in our hearts today from isaiah 62 we pray in jesus name amen all right isaiah 62 for zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet, until her righteousness goes forth as brightness, and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness, and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, My delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored, but those who gather it shall eat it and praise the Lord, and those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, Clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Oh boy, what a what a beautiful, beautiful chapter. I mean, this is just 
the Lord's great love for us. And if you've been following along in Isaiah, we know that the people of Jerusalem and Judah have certainly done nothing to deserve such amazingly, stunningly beautiful, positive, glorious words to be said about them. And then we need to realize that these words are being said about us because we are the holy city of God. We are the bride of Christ. We are the ones to be married to the Son of God. We are the ones who have salvation as our walls and who are sought out and not forsaken and not desolate. And we have done nothing to deserve any of these wonderful words to be said about us. So this grace, this amazing, astounding, overflowing, abundant grace is for us, for us. And God promises, God promises righteousness and salvation. Righteousness, that is what we need to be able to really be before God as his chosen people, as his uh, justified people. The word righteousness is behind this idea of justification. And, and salvation is this rescue right? This rescue, this redemption. So we need a righteousness and we need a rescue. And, and they're both pictured in terms of light, brightness, a burning torch. So Jesus comes into the world as the light of the world. And he is our righteousness. And he goes forth as brightness. And he is our salvation. And he comes as a burning torch. Think about on the day of Pentecost when, when the Lord poured out the Holy Spirit on the believers who were gathered in the upper room, the Holy Spirit descended on them like flames of fire, like, like a burning torch descending upon the heads of those who were, who were saved. And the gospel goes forward. The gospel goes forward to the nations and to the kings of the earth. We've seen this so many times in Isaiah. There is a global focus to the entire Bible. From Genesis 1, where God creates the whole world and fills it with life and then puts Adam and Eve over it and says to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. From that very first chapter all the way to the end, where we get to the new heavens and the new earth and the new Jerusalem, the Bible has a global focus. It's never been about just one nation or one small people group. And so it's it's sad to me that some people would interpret Isaiah 62 and say, no, these are just promises for ethnic Jewish people and for the nation state of Israel. No, 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 no. This is for the people of God, called by God from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. Salvation comes to the world through the offspring of Abraham, but we all become offspring of Abraham in Christ who is the Holy Seed. So these words are for us who believe in the Lord Jesus and for all of our brothers and sisters in every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, the worldwide church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. We are the royal diadem in the hand of our God. We are no longer forsaken. We are no longer desolate, but God delights in us. God delights in us. Do you ever think about that? Just stop and think. Let your heart take that in. The God of the universe who spoke everything into existence by the word of his power, who upholds everything, who knows every atom of your body 
and every inclination of your soul, the one who is almighty, all-knowing, infinite, eternal, holy, holy, holy God, he delights in you. He delights in me. He says that he rejoices over us, delights in us, and rejoices over us. That's just unbelievable, right? It's just unbelievable. And yet it is what God himself has said. If anybody else said it, we wouldn't be able to believe it, but God himself has said it, and so we must believe it. And so God says on your walls, I've set watchmen all the day and the night. They shall never be silent. We are, we are, there are those of us, I believe, within the, the church of Jesus Christ who are called to be watchmen. I believe that's part of my job as a pastor, as a teaching elder. I have this sort of prophetic calling, not that I'm a prophet, but in the sense that I speak forth the word of God. And that is the, it's a privilege to be a watchman and to, and to speak forth, to proclaim. That's what I get to do every day with you here, every week in the pulpit and throughout the week with smaller groups of people to speak forth the word of God. Now listen to what he says. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Someone came to me on Sunday and they were a little bit confused by the, the strong urgency of the prayer of Daniel in Daniel chapter 9. And they were specifically asking me um, about these verses that are on your screen now, uh, verses 17 and 18 uh, and 19, um, where, where Daniel's getting urgent, almost to the point of being rude toward God. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy and for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name, for we do not present your our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear, O Lord, forgive, O Lord, pay attention and act, delay for your own name's sake, O, o my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. So here he tells God to pay attention and act, right? And, and he tells God to, to listen, listen to the prayer of your servant, as if somehow God is not paying attention, as if somehow God is not listening or not paying attention. Now, that's not how you have to read those verses, but certainly what we can see is that there is an urgency because Daniel knows that their only hope is for God to listen to his prayer and to pay attention to his people, and so he is claiming he's 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 claiming the promises of God made to God's people and he's doing so with an urgency and this this uh from Isaiah which would be from Daniel's perspective this was already written down as the word of God a couple hundred years earlier I'm sure that Daniel read Isaiah and knew Isaiah and so here maybe is where uh, where Daniel gets warrant to be so bold right in his prayer you who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Again, if anybody but God had said this, we would have to say, whoa, whoa, back off there, buddy, right? But this is God himself. 
And what he means by give him no rest, of course, this is anthropomorphic language or anthropopathic language. It's God speaking about himself in terms that we could understand, which is which is how Daniel prays. And I think that's appropriate because we we think from a human framework and that's OK because we're human. Obviously, God uh, is sovereign and he's holy and he's in control. But when it says give him no rest, it means continue to pray to him. Continue to call out to him. Don't stop. Jesus teaches the same thing when he teaches about prayer. When he says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened to you. What he's saying there is ask and keep on asking and don't stop asking until you receive. Seek and keep on seeking and don't stop seeking until you find. Knock and keep on knocking and don't stop knocking until you receive. Jesus, in his parables on prayer and all of his teaching on prayer, the most dominant theme that comes back again and again is he wants us to ask and to ask persistently and repeatedly and unfailingly until we get what we've asked for or until the answer is very, very clear that we're asking the wrong thing. But here, God is telling his people, I'm going to establish Jerusalem and make it a praise in the earth. So keep asking me until I do that, right? What is that? How does that translate to us? That means the church is going to go to all tribes, tongues, peoples, and nations. It's going to be a praise in all the earth, every tribe. So if there's an unreached tribe or an unreached people group that hasn't yet received the gospel, we can ask, we can ask boldly, we can ask repeatedly. I love the story of John Knox, the founding father of Presbyterianism, and his prayer to God was, give me Scotland or I die. This was this urgent pleading with God to say, here's a nation that does not know you. They've been misled about you. They've been taught lies. Give me Scotland for the Lord Jesus Christ as his inheritance or I die. And so right now in Uganda, you know, we can pray, Lord, give the Oringa people to Jesus now. Or we can say, give the Republic of Sudan and the Sudanese people to Jesus now. Act, move, bring forth the light of the gospel. Make your church a praise in the Yumbe district of Uganda in the Republic of South Sudan, in the Republic of Sudan, throughout every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And this is what God wants us to pray for. And so we should pray for it. It would be disobedient not to pray for it because he's told us to do so. The Lord has sworn that he's going to give the gospel victory throughout the world. And the day is coming the day is coming when there will be no foreigners, no enemies, no oppressors who will take what God's people have been given. I think the, the real final fulfillment of that will come when Jesus returns again. Um, but but there is, there's real promises given to the church in this church age about the success of the gospel among the nations. And then there's the final promise of this eternal peace that comes when Jesus returns again and brings us all together in the new as the new Jerusalem into the new heavens and the new earth. And who are we? Right? This this uh verses sorry uh, get back to this text real quick. Verses 10 and 11 um 
is talking about the, the coming of Jesus into the world. Um, really the first time he came, go, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. This was on, on Palm Sunday when Jesus rode into Jerusalem. This was this was the cry, your salvation comes. This is also prophesied in Zechariah 9.9. It's also prophesied in Isaiah 52 earlier. It's like salvation comes to God's people in Zion. And so he makes us the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord, a city not forsaken, the ones who are sought out and who are saved. And that is the gospel. Jesus has come. He's given us that privileged title, and he's given us this privileged mission to take this good news to every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. So what he calls us is his holy people. That means we belong to God, special, set apart, the redeemed of the Lord, bought back from our slavery to sin and death and given a privileged position in God's kingdom, sought out by God himself, a city not forsaken. Oh, what good news. What a gospel. What a God of grace we serve. Let's pray. Father, fill our hearts with joy, delight, pleasure, excitement over your gospel and over the call to take your gospel to the nations. It is the best news that has ever been given to the world, and we have the best identity that could ever be given to any people anywhere, and we have the best mission to be engaged in that we could possibly be engaged in. So send forth your gospel. May the nations come to know you and use us toward that end. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Isaiah 62. Tomorrow, the plan is to go back to the book of Daniel, pick up with Daniel chapter 10. I hope you can join me for that. Have a blessed day in the Lord. Mm -hmm.